Hello? Hello. You are listening to From Bricktown. I am your host, Derek Drakeford. I've got uh, Dr. Robert Drakeford, our key guest, on the phone with me. How are you doing today, sir? Wonderful. Well, I think the last time that we stopped off, you had become an alderman at the town of Carborough. About how old were you when you became an alderman in Carborough? I was about 30-something, probably 32 or so. So that's a young strapping lad, and you're alderman of the town of Carborough. Very, yeah. very progressive. Tell us about that experience. It was wonderful. Uh, I, I had a, a, a friend of mine that was in graduate school with me, Doug Scherer who later became a, a, a councilman himself, the alderman himself, who told me that I should run, run, for, run, run for the election in, in a group, just a coalition, and we'd run as a team. And all of us got elected. Students got together and elected us. We promised to give them a bus system and give them better treatment from the town. And we kept on getting elected. Uh, the people who were the old towny folks who had been there forever and ever, didn't particularly like it because they were we voted them out eventually. And uh, you know, I had already had a master's degree in city planning, so I knew how to run a lot of things in town. And we uh, we basically brought the town into the uh, the current day of that time into doing innovative things. And the innovative things we did over the next ten years, they still do now, forty years later. And the town has not done anything really newer than that pretty much in those 40 years. And so when I go by there, and I do go by there occasionally, they still talk about me and say good things about me. The current mayor is a wonderful, wonderful lady. And we talk talk occasionally about it, and she's been very nice. And still talks, talks about the things we did and how wonderful it is for the town. Now... How did you go from being an alderman to becoming mayor? Well, I, the coalition we're in elected elected four people, including the mayor, and her name was Ruth West. She was an older lady, and she did basically was just a figurehead. So after two years, I told her I was going to run run for mayor, and she decided not to run. So I ran against another alderman from who was from the other group, uh, and uh, essentially I got elected in a landslide. Now, I guess I can say that, you know, we, we, did, we just were, we were young and we were kind of revolutionary, so we did new stuff and tried everything out because we were new. We didn't know we couldn't do stuff and we just did it. And uh, that was good. Governments need to be have, have young blood. Our country right now needs needs the millennials to take over and change some of the crazy stuff we're doing now. My generation doesn't need to be running anything. We need to be, just be accepted whatever they're going to give us. So, currently, right now, there's unrest across the nation. 
racial unrest. Yep. Yep. You were alive in 68. I wasn't. Do you remember the racial unrest then? Yes. Uh, it was pretty awful, actually. Uh, the National Guard was called out in that time, too. And they, they shot a lot of people. Remember, that was when they, they had the Orangeburg Massacre. And they also had the uh, Kent State Massacre. And uh, some of the people who suffered through that never got over it. One of the persons that, that actually that's, that's still famous today is Clyburn, the current whip of the, of the U.S. House. He was part of the Orangeburg Massacre. He was there at, at, at uh, South Carolina State at that time. And he's, he's an old drinking buddy of mine. And when I knew him, when I, when I knew him, when he was actually a member of the state government in South Carolina, before he was a congressman, he was wild as could be. He, he used to live about an hour and a half outside of uh, Columbia, where his office was, and he'd always make it in about 40 minutes. He, just, he had a state card. He'd travel as fast as he could. could. This, this, would, this is from him. He was telling me this, and I believe him. And I saw his state card. And we had, a, we had an energy meeting in uh, Hilton Head. He came down for that. Because we had people from all over the southeast, the Black Mayors Association, to, to, to come to that meeting. And he was there for that. And some government officials from the U.S. Energy Department, Morell and David Rivers, his buddy. And uh, we had a good time. And they left that. They stayed, we stayed at about a two, three-day meeting. And then they, the rest of them went up to Spoleto, which was... I guess in uh, Charleston, I guess it was. And everybody went for that. And I just, I just, I just stayed for a couple more days and came on home. But it was a, a wonderful time up there. And that was my first time of meeting, meeting Clyburn. I met his brother much later on, who was a big businessman in D.C., who later got indicted for some of the, some of the stuff he was doing. But uh, Morell got him off, got him out of that and got him off. And uh, David, David Ruffin, David, David got a, got a, got a, got a, indicted also. And, and one of our buddies, Tony, was his campaign manager or, or person who collected money for him. And uh, he, he also got was declared innocent also. David's still around, and I'm still around. Clyburn's still around, and we're living to be a ripe old age. Morell is still around, and those are the kinds of things that happen. We, we've lived, a, all of us have lived a wonderful life. We go in different circles very often, but I had a good time. So, uh, have you ever protested? Well, yeah. My whole my whole political career was protest. From the time I got elected, I was, I was a protest, I was a protest candidate. And then we, me and Neil basically started, Neil Satterwhite, started the South Orange Black Caucus. And we, what, what we're able to do is get together all the liberals and all the black folks, basically, and we elected a whole lot of people in Orange County for lots of years. We basically, if we called a state official, they would come by and meet with us. I'm talking about a state official, like the, the Secretary of Labor would come by, and I would I would open up Town Hall. we have a meeting in Town Hall. So all this, all this stuff happened during that time period of time, and 
I guess I'd say for that period of time when I was in the office, we were, we were always doing disruptive things. It was just, we were just disruptive government, and I was a disruptive candidate. Unfortunately, there was a couple people later on in our, our candidacy who got on the board. Steve was one of them, and he was very disruptive. And that caused some people to get de-elected eventually. I, didn't, I never lost an election. I decided I didn't want to run anymore after about 10 years of doing it. Somebody else needed to do it, I thought. Okay. Uh, and how do you feel about the protests that are going on right now? What's in your heart? It's justified. Too late, but it's justified. That, that gentleman is uh, going to be known forever and ever for this. Because it's, 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 it's reverberating throughout the world. You know, soccer clubs in England and Poland are protesting about they can't breathe with this guy's name on it. It's a wonderful thing. I'm, I'm sorry that he died and he had to die in this case for this to happen. But this was just, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll cause a sea change literally nationwide. We've never had protests like this that were multiracial nationwide in our country's history. We're talking about every city in this country has got protests, every single city. And all the, all, all the protests are multiracial, not just black people doing it, it's black and white people. And because of that, they can't really shoot everybody, so they're, they're, they're arresting a number of them. Some of, them uh, some of the low lives are basically doing some looting, but yet you gotta realize a lot of this looting is because people have been out of work in this case for months. You got 30-something million people that are out of work with no paychecks. They're off there in awful straits. And given that, I, I understand what's going on and why why it's going on. But uh, it's been a an eye-opener. So I watch it and watch the people doing it. And and all the people who are doing it, it makes sense for them to do it. One of the interesting byproducts is I noticed that a number of the networks have suddenly found a whole lot of other black anchors to talk to people about. <laughs> Some of these people we never saw before, <laughs> including one guy who got arrested. <laughs> And uh, on television, I, was, I, I couldn't believe they actually arrested them on television with cameras looking rolling <laughs> on CNN. Dumbest thing I've ever seen. It took the governor to get to get let it go because you know you got people who, in the old ways, think we can do anything, and suddenly they can't do everything because there's always somebody over them who can tell them what to do, who got better sense, or a better sense of what's going on and what it is. But this is probably the most influential and important thing to happen, basically, in the country's history. The revolutionary thing about it is in the Midwest, particularly, the teachers of the police unions were probably about to lose power. As the mayor of uh, St. Paul said, the reality is, is that none of them are running, the, running, the, uh, running these police departments. It's the police union is running it with these union contracts. Well, they're going to do away with those. That's just a matter of time. They've overplayed their hands and, they, and they've actually abused the people. And the people they abuse are black folks. And guess what? Those those other three guys who have not yet been arrested will be arrested and all four of them will be behind bars. And and the lead guy will be lucky if they don't kill him, which I think is probably going to happen. If, if, he, if he was a lead release, they'd kill him anyway. But, he, but he, he's going to prison for the rest of his life. It's really stupid stuff. 
how are you gonna sit on somebody's neck with you with your elbow and shit? You know, I'm just on your knee, and it's just it was just awful. Uh, I think they're gonna start a fund for this guy's daughters and his kids, and a lot of people are going to uh, are going to uh, give money to it. And when they, when they come up, I'll give some money to it too, because he he's he's helped the people in generation behind us. He was a martyr. Countries and every every race needs martyrs, and he was just one of the martyrs, unfortunately. Wow, uh, powerful. So, uh, in response to the, I guess, riots and looting, President Trump has come out and said some things and done some things. Biden has said some things and done some things. What is the answer for leadership right now? What do leaders need to be doing? Well, I think leaders need to be doing what Biden's doing. I think he's done a good job with that. Trump, Trump's handling it about, uh, of the uh, of this whole situation. He's losing that by 70, 73% disapproval. Only this, his diehard, you know, crackers that he's got with him are the only ones who are with him. And, and those people, those people are the folks who are doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. That, 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 like my wife says, evangelicals. Well, it doesn't matter. But all the people who are, who are behind them are, are, are doing very unchristian-like stuff if they're evangelicals. But this, this has just been awful. And that way that man died was just not unconscionable. And so I was just murdered. It's all it was. You didn't think going to the church to hold the Bible up was a good move? Terrible move. It was. It was show. He never. You can tell he hadn't held held the Bible before. <laughs> Look at the way he was holding it. He looked like it was a hot potato. <laughs> <laughs> well, my wife said it was just like Adolf Hitler held one, <laughs> and I believe it. Uh, I think that smells I mean, Photoshop. No, I, 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 look, I looked at him. I, I saw him as he was doing it. And the bottom line of this is he's he's so unfit for this office. And the folks who, who did it on a lock, they're, they're going to pay for it. The farmers in the Midwest are paying. Most of them are going bankrupt because of the shit he did. They thought it was a wonderful thing to, to vote, vote this, this cracker in here. And the bottom line is he, he just showed who he is. He's for the big guys and screw the little guys. He talks about tariffs, and that has raised their prices of their, their goods, which means nobody wants to buy them. So soybeans are not even being sold anymore out in the Midwest. And a number of big farmers who are going under are, are legion. He's the worst thing that could have happened to them. When I watch the little farm, actually the big farmers are going under too. So it doesn't matter. I mean, if you get if you get 15 cents on the dollar for what you what you put out there. You're still, you're still losing 85 cents. And it doesn't matter if you, have, if you, if you, if you, if you, have, if you plant a thousand acres, if you lose 85 percent of it, you're still losing that. The little guy lost it too. He has less of a cushion, but he's losing too. Everybody's losing in the, in the farm belt. For them to vote for this guy, guy, guy again, they have to have their head examined. So, what is your message for young people? Make sure you get out and vote. Be, be, participate in your government wherever it's at. Get out and vote. 
and, and vote for change. We, we, need, we need to get rid of these old guys, number one. Look at those guys in the Senate. They, they, they all should be in rest homes, much, much less being in the Senate. They barely can walk. But the bottom line of that is we need young blood doing different things, and we don't need people who have been bought and paid for by big business. Big business needs to be brought in like the Taft-Hartley Act we did. The stuff that Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt did with trust buses has to happen again, and it will happen again. Remember, we think of these oil companies. Remember the six or seven big oil companies now. Remember, that was only at one time only one company owned by Rockefeller. And the bottom, bottom line, every other one of these things, Sunoco and Esso and Exxon, they're all with one company. And trust buses broke them up. That's why you have Standard Oil of all these other companies. We look look at their corporation papers. You have Standard Oil of these various states. But those were broken up, and they have to be broken up again. I mean, Warren Buffett should not own own as much money as he he owns. A nice guy, but he needs to get rid of some of it. And we need to get those people out of there. And and Trump Trump and his stuff here, when you have three people who have as much money as the bottom half of the damn country, that's crazy. That needs to be taken away and, and needs to be made more egalitarian for everybody else. I'm doing well. You're doing well. All my kids went to college and got out, except for one. And the bottom line of that is that they're always going to do well because I, I made sure they did that. But that's a legacy of my mother who made sure I did that. And to some extent, my brother also, he tried to make sure his kids did too, but he wasn't successful at it. But the bottom line of this, that's what has to happen. We need, we need to make sure that the next generation gets the education they need and the society they need. And if you can equip them, they at least have a shot at it. I've wow. made and lost three or four different fortunes in my life. There's not a whole lot of black folks that could ever say that. But I've always had the perseverance and enough smarts to get to the next thing. Usually leading edge stuff I did and got around to it. The system itself then would sit on me and make sure I couldn't go any further. But I understand that. That's just the way it works here now. The situation that you, that your daughter is growing into and the environment she'll be going to, she'll be able to do anything she wants. And I would suspect that some of the things that she's being left to by me and other folks that are up the line from her, guess what? She'll have an unlimited ability to do what she wants to do. And that's wonderful. Well, that's the prayer. That's the hope. But that's definitely not the reality right now. No, it's the reality of the future. That's all it is. But the reality is, is I'm not worried about where my next meal is coming from, and neither are you. And your, your knucklehead brother pretty much can't either. But we all went to, you all went to school, and you got an education, so they can't take it away from you. That puts you a whole lot of steps ahead of these, these, these guys who walk running around here with the MAGA hats on. So I think another thing the listeners want to hear is how to heal, how to take this pain in their heart and move to a place of peace. You've been through pain in your life. How how do you heal? Keep on going. Go on to the next one. I've had had low points, but I've always knew enough people to go into the next step. And if I had to take a step backwards to go on, I did that. Because eventually I was smart enough, I knew, to always go into the next step and always go further. Politics helped me with that. 
had many other opportunities, some of which I did not take advantage of, which would have made my life very, very different. If I took each, each, each step you take in your life, remember, changes your life forever from then on. It's something I never could understand so much later. I remember once uh, Jim Hunt, who I helped get elected as governor of North Carolina, he offered me a job as volunteer, associate director of the volunteers in North Carolina. I didn't take the job because they wouldn't give me Friday afternoons off as mayor. That's why I didn't take the job. If I had taken the job, my entire life from that point on would have been different. I ended up getting a very similar job with the extension service years later in Alabama. It was actually the same job, but it's just for the extension service. But it was the same exact job, dealing with volunteers. And if you're a mayor, remember, that's what you're doing as a mayor. You're dealing with volunteers. And I, I did that in, in most of my life. I'm here now running, running a campground. And what are we dealing with? Campers. They're just volunteers on it that have, 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 have RVs. And we're doing okay. And it's, it's a good business. And uh, I must, must say that when I look at my peers who were professors, I'm doing better than every one of them. I've always kind of done my whole life better than my peers. I've always looked ahead and seen it, looked around and said, well, how do I do that? And I, and I, I find field fields that are underrepresented by people who look like me, and I go into that field. Because very often those are lucrative fields, and if you're a pioneer in them, you can do well. And we're doing well. And I have somebody from Minnesota in the background chuckling at me. So thinking more about your book, um, as you're writing your book, as you're thinking about it, what do you want readers to really learn from your story? I guess it's, it's the story of somebody who, who said have gained and failed in a number of things, but always got up off his feet, kept on going, and came back stronger, came back higher, came back better. Learn from each of your scars. And you don't do them again. You make a mistake, you don't do it again. You learn from your mistakes. In our life, we have to learn from mistakes. And we've always, remember, we're always starting in our society today behind the eight ball. What happened to that gentleman who got killed last week uh, in Minnesota? That's one of the things that happens to us. And we, that bill was real. Oh, by the way, this my chairman is telling me that the bill that the guy thought was was counterfeit was actually was actually a real bill. Bill, bill. So he got he got killed for nothing. But sometimes Sharon well, is from Minnesota. She she would definitely know. Yeah. But the bottom bottom line of this is sometimes things that are meant to happen to cause change to happen. You know, one of the things I, I admire about you is that you are in an interracial relationship, marriage, and you have a mixed family. Tell me how you've navigated that with love. You treat them all as, as, as one. And you try to help them all. And don't try to, you, you're going to favor some, of course, you like them some better than others. But the bottom line of that is you need to try to help them all. And you give them advice, that's good advice. And then they'll take it or not take it. Most of them took it. You got one who hasn't taken it, and she's doing worse of all of them. But that's that's on her. I, I've got a grand, one of her youngest granddaughter. I've tried to help, and she's tried to make sure 
and she has not allowed her to be helped, even though she wants me to help her. She has another daughter who asked me to help, and I'm helping her, and she's going on to college, doing well. Has more money in the bank than the mother has. Well, I think that's a good uh, message for the listeners to hear is that love has no color. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I, I guess, you know, and I'll tell you a story that you don't really know about. I, 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 tell, I was told Tommy this a couple of weeks ago. When I first went to Minnesota, and the first day I met the, the boys, the rest of, the rest of, of Sharon's kids, Tommy was just a little guy, about eight years old. He was sitting on the counter there. Huh? I think, I think it was eight. And uh, he was sitting on the counter there, and this little guy with big boots on. And we were talking, I was, and I was making a meal for them. My first time in being in that, that, their house, I was making a meal, which was deer, which I had had before, and it was really wasn't very good. That's another story. But he, he crawled up there from his edge, he was like, like at the end there, and he crawled up to me and gave me a hug. And from that point on, that, he's been my little son. No question. And when he wanted to go in the army, when he was 17, he asked his mother if she'd sign the paper. She said, no, go see your daddy about it. And of course, she didn't expect me to sign this, but I signed the papers for him. And then at that point on, I was praying that he didn't get killed in his various forays into Afghanistan and Kuwait and uh, Iraq, California, Kentucky, and now it's and now it's that's 16 years later and being in the reserves, all these places, he's done well because he's but he's had some injuries also. But he's done well. And uh, all I can say is that's what you have to go by. You know, it's it's not who you who what color they are, but if they're your sons or not, say you say they are, and you treat them with love. And that doesn't mean that they're, I'm they're gonna agree and agree to do everything I say, but you give them the best advice you can give them. Hope they hope they listen to it, and that goes for you know Bobby or you or whoever. And I can say all the rest of the kids do listen to what I got to say, and uh, some of the grandkids do, some don't. Definitely, definitely. So your book is going to be titled "From Bricktown." Tell me the rest of the title. To the White House. From the from. The, from Actually, from Bricktown to Town Hall, from Town Hall to the White House, from what from the White House to the plantation on the plains, to the oasis in North Carolina. So the title of the book is about four sentences long. Is what you're telling me. Yes, it's it's, it's the progression of my life, and, and it's now it's now three quarters of a century, which is something I I, I, I guess I never thought I'd live to see. Almost, almost, almost everybody that 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 I know has died. And, and given that, it's been it's been interesting. I've had interesting uh, kinds of different people I've met, and each walk walk of my life have been, have been of all colors who've been wonderful to me. Some have not been so nice, but most of them have been nice to me. Well, I, I can hear the dog is happy. Well, yeah, a customer came in. Sharon's got him, and he, he's, he's just he's just loud. Whoever he is, I'm not sure who it is, but he's loud. 
and, no problem at all. and he wants to uh, check it. Wants to check it in. So listen, final message, uh, especially for the protests that are going on. Obama came out and Obama said, keep protesting, make it peaceful and vote. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts on Obama's words? Exactly it. Right on the money. Couldn't have said it better. That, that's our little dog in the background there, Packers. He, he replaced he replaced Squeaky. And was barking at everybody who comes by. Squeaky used to do that all the time. She reminds me a lot of a lot of Well, this is good. The uh, I hear the dog barking improves your ratings on the podcast anyway, so the people will love it. Listen, this is the final message. We're, we're letting them go. Uh, Dr. Bob, what's your final message for the people this week? Be peaceful, keep protesting, and we love you. Awesome. I love you too, Dad. I love everybody there. Y'all be blessed and safe. Okay, see you.